Hello there, and thank you for joining me for the finale of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 via Quest Along. Whether this is the first video or podcast episode that you have stumbled upon, thank you. Or if you've listened to the previous three parts, I also thank you. This will cement if Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is worth your time and where it stands in the series as a whole. Like always, I'll address my nitpicks and praise what this game does fabulously well. If you're trying to go in completely spoiler-free, this won't be it. But the beginning of this review will be light on spoilers, and I will mark when we transition to all the spoiler talk. I'm Michael with Bits of Time. This is our quest along journey together. So let's do this. This is my review of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 after 85 hours. finally clear the air about a sticking point with this game and what I've seen online. Is this a good entry to start with for Xenoblade newcomers? I stand by it and say yes. Now are there potential spoilers from previous games? Yes, a bit, but I also was told not to play Xenoblade 2 Torna the Golden Country before Xenoblade 2 and you know what? I did do that. And I surprisingly actually liked the order that I played those in. Even though I know things were coming, I just wanted to see how they would unfold. So with Xenoblade Chronicles 3, will you know some outcomes from the other games in the series? Yes, you will, but uh, especially by the end. But what I found with this series is the journey to the ending can be as fulfilling as seeing that last scene before the credits roll. With that, I think this is a good place to gauge your interest in the series, and I believe it is worth your time. It's an investment of time, any of the game in this series are, but if you're looking for a sprawling world that incentivizes you to explore it with an excellent cast of characters, you can't go wrong with this entry. The side missions are varied and range from excellent to mundane, like almost any JRPG out there, but to me, the little insights you get from your characters while playing through these missions is worth your time, plus you're getting stronger, which you'll definitely need <laughs> in the final leg of this game. The combat of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 sustained me. I did seem to drift into auto-battling more often than I thought I would, and letting the game optimize my loadouts for me, which is nice, you can just do that with the press of a button. But when I was getting stomped by some random monster, I could tweak what I wanted my character builds to do, and I came out on top most of the time. Which is the sign of a good JRPG if I can fiddle with it and, you know, make it work for me and what I want to envision my party to do. Well, I could ex execute on that and that's great. And most importantly, it wasn't as convoluted, nor was it simple, so I didn't get bored of it for the most part. But again, I did go into auto battling because, you know, I just, uh, yeah, you never know. <laughs> the standout for me in this game is the main cast. So if you're looking for the battle system to be the central motivator for this game, I would caution a little bit, but I enjoyed the battle system, like I said just previously, but I love this main cast, and that never wavered throughout the entire game. Not a lot of JRPGs can keep my interest that high and to keep the story shifting well enough to focus on everyone in my party, but it did, bringing back prior events in a nice steady pace, having your characters reflect on them and having little dialogue scenes between others talking about what they've experienced, which I feel like a lot of games are kind of lacking in that regard. It definitely made the characters feel more grounded and real with how certain events stuck with them that way. 
That was my main driving force to the end of this game. Not the climax fight or their reasoning, but I wanted to see where these characters were going to go and how they'd interact with each other at the final scene. Before we get to spoilers for the end of the game, it does stick certain aspects of the ending, but falls short in one area, which is kind of a bummer. But thankfully, other entries did it better, so this series as a whole is a fantastic one. And I'm very excited for the standalone story DLC and just seeing what Monolith Soft has up their sleeves for their next project. Usually in all of our episodes of Bits of Time, we do a little quick bits section, so I'm going to show you my stats for the game and uh, kind of gauge if you beat this faster than me, didn't do as much. Here we go. I was level 80 going into the last fight. I had completed 89 missions. All the classes were unlocked. 79% was my highest interleague unlock on the skill trees for your Ouroboros. 67 was my lowest percent. Level 83 was my highest hero level and 75 was my lowest. My final party makeup class wise going into that last fight was Swordmaster, Zephyr, War Medic, Tactician, Lone Exile, Machine Assassin, and Signifier. Signifier is one of the best classes in this game. So thank you for checking out Quest Along, where I'm trying to save you time on JRPGs, and for you to experience it along with me, or well, come back to this when you've rolled credits on Xenoblade Chronicles 3, or Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2, and all the good stuff. And if you can't stop yourself, like I couldn't stop after the ending of Chapter 5 in the last part, on to spoilers we go. I'm sort of right. The Annihilation events didn't totally get explained, or maybe I missed it, uh, but the sort of ending timeline thing that we're doing has to do with a timeline. But instead of timelines themselves and time manipulation, we literally have two worlds coming together. And we have Melia and Nia from each of the worlds, to cre and they created this thing called Origin, so that they could store all the memories, thoughts, and all this stuff from both worlds and save them. And that was going to collide and become one thing. And it happens to be a giant Mechanus, uh, Mechanus, Mechan whatever they called in this game. So they built Origin and Zed just had this cool idea. Worlds apart, somehow communicating with each other. They didn't really explain that either, but that's all right. It's a fantasy setting. I will allow it. And Zed and Mobius just come in there and took it over to stop time and that's where all the troubles started and man there's an awesome screenshot of them as a group the artwork is so cool i want a game in that art style visual novel uh, supplemental story just give it to me i want it and i'm sure i'm love i'll love it because I, I like the xenoblade now how this all fits in with the timelines the beginning of the game i thought was a different timeline and i was right about that I did not expect that to be the ending of the game, which was a nice touch, Monolith so I didn't see that one coming. I thought that was going to interfere with the timeline or be an alternate reality if they made other choices, and they technically did. This is the new life they chose, and it's separate from everything we did up to this point. Also, shout out to before that choice is made and the other shifting art style that they used in the timelessness part. Everything looks a little bit 
crisper and cleaner. I don't, I don't know how to exactly word it, but it just looks nice. Pleasant to... Uh, ple- it's pleasant on the ice. That's what I'm trying to say. Obviously, I'm jumping around to the ending and all that, but it's hard to stick the landing and make it make sense. Xenoblade 1 got real bonkers in a fun way and in this epic scale and just throw me for a loop via location-wise. Xenoblade 2 got insane with how it tied in together with 1 and just the whole timeline reveal and what's happening between... Yeah, so good. And 3, it didn't have the craziness in the final confrontation. Even if it was bombastic in the final attack and what we are doing, everybody's fighting each other, shooting lasers, Origins going crazy, the revelations weren't as fun... It would be my kind of sticking point. And while Zed is just kind of meh. Sure, they did some cool stuff. The theater part, this whole group watching you and being entertained with the fight while you're fighting Zed. It's a cool look. But man, he's just uh, kind of a letdown villain-wise. Yeah, he's the one pulling all the strings. But they could have switched that to be Bad Noah. And how Bad Noah maybe overtakes his master. That would have been a little bit better for me. Plus, we have to we get to fight him as a big giant head in his like second or third form. I can't remember which form, and it's kind of ridiculous. Even if the visuals there are some wild arenas and it's all these colors and flashes are going around, at the end of the day, he's just a giant head <laughs> and like Andros from Star Fox, and that's boring. <laughs> Even if Star Fox sixty four rules, that one nitpick doesn't make this game a failure in my eyes like i said it's about the journey getting to the end and the effects of that of this journey reach a long way because what xenoblade 3 does expertly well in the ending is give me excellent character moments between our party members it's clean it's easy it's not convoluted we're just getting small excellent moments with this fantastic cast of characters and you know that's what i've loved about this game since part one of quest along and at the end of the day i'm okay with that the bombastic fight didn't do much for me even though in xenoblade won the fight that happened between the giants i loved it but these small conversations did a lot so that's a win in my book and what else did i love well obviously i'm going to talk about more character moments mio's new look is awesome that we get after chapter six no not after chapter six after chapter five even if I had no complaints about her previous style, and I love that we get her complaining about her long hair in a cutscene. It's so good. <laughs> it leads into what hairstyle you want to have Mio in. I didn't expect it to be such a funny moment, but all the girls just sitting there talking about hair. It was it was awesome. It was kind of out of character for Mio, but also fitting the in the weirdness of this game. The Kamaravi side quest is great just for the way he acts. He's scared of heights and and Tan being awkward afterwards. I mean, the small little hero moments in this game are still really good as well. Running into the consistent side quest of the friend and the little Napan, I forget their names off the top of my head, while exploring the world. This ongoing quest was just getting them out of situation after situation is something I love that JRPGs do, reoccurring characters. So, uh, of course, I had to do them all, which you'll notice my why my time is pretty high, but also I wouldn't have finished the game without my level being high because Zed at the end was a booger to beat. I died on him and went on a grinding spree to level up because 
if you've made it to the end, you know how long those cutscenes are between the boss battle and how many forms he has. I love the extended forms in boss battles, but it, yeah, it drove me a little nuts on this one. So the timeline goes like this for me. I reached Origin at 70 hours and 22 minutes. I detoured from 75 hours and 18 minutes to 76 hours and 20 minutes to do a couple little loose end side quests and level up some things before reaching the last door to the no return, no return portion. So then I returned again at 82 hours and two minutes after being defeated and then going on to my grind with an hour and a half of loss of time because Zed destroyed my party on the very last form. <laughs> I was pretty mad. I put this game down for a while. Now let's stick with this train of thought. I liked the origin dungeon. It was ever encompassing and the visuals, especially toward the end with these like floating cubes when you're taking the elevator. It was pretty cool. It was harder where I had to think about how to take on certain enemies and I got smacked around quite a bit by pulling too many mobs. So it was a pain, but it was also kind of this nice learning curve on how to approach this dungeon. And my tip, even though you're listening to this in the spoiler section, is don't get overzealous with pulling those mobs. And it took me nearly five hours to get through it. That's a long dungeon. Now you have some boss battles there too, which is a, a little nitpick. I feel like they just start tossing bosses at you <laughs> toward the end, but it, it is what it is. I get another battle with Bad Noah, which I loved, and some good moments there too. Again, he should have took the place of Zed at the end, but we get some good moments from this confrontation, and I'll take that. Because you know how much I love my desperate screaming from Bad Noah, and I get it. And I like that even still, Bad Noah cannot understand what could have been changed. He's just kind of set in his way and his choices that he made, and his outlook is totally muddled. But what I like about this ending confrontation, even after all the fighting, the pain, Noah, our Noah, asked Bad Noah to come with them. Which I actually like. It's such a Noah thing to do. He doesn't even ask the others like he did in the way beginning of the game about sending the enemy. I was honestly suspecting... I was honestly expecting Zed to come in and kill Noah. They're the bad one like most movies and shows do. But no, the Noahs clasp hands and become one. And bad Noah vanishes, or becomes a part of Noah. And Noah has his memories, kind of like Mio has the other version of hers memories as well. And they get to walk this path with Noah. A big moment towards the end here is Noah said that he would have made the same choices as bad Noah back then. But because of the experience he's gone through, he's changed. It's, it's a good character arc and a reflection moment for our party leader. Now jumping to the very end where you're fighting Zed and he's doing this weird blurring thing. Uh, bad Noah, bad Mio. I keep saying bad. You, you get it. They're changed now. They kind of save your party at the end, which is a little bit hokey. But I also like the themes and the little bit of redemption arc for bad Noah. So stacked with this scene, it's a nice touch. kind of connects the dots for what we've been going through on this journey. But still... It's uh, a little strange. Other character moments continued. One that made me audibly gasp was when I thought they killed Queen Nia. We just get to see her and <laughs> she gets like shot through the chest. After all this time going through that snowy area to find our queen, man, we get to her and I thought she died. 
I was actually really mad because Nia is best girl from Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So it was a great way to play with my expectations. She's not dead. And I love how our crew just pieces out after too. Like, yep, we got this. We know what to do. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> and we get to go on this origin shard quest, collecting these metal pieces, which of course I love because come on, collectibles and games with added story scenes, sign me up. But I think my favorite part is when you get back to Nia, she's just so, she's just so awesome. Uh, her surprise and confusement to our crew. Her little dance of excitement too, it, like she's realizing, yeah, her plan is working. It's great. Nia's the best. Other little moments to kind of juxtapose with cute dancing Nia. Queen Melia trapped in a room bound by cords is a visual that's pretty dark and I did not see coming. It's like, man, she's been stuck here and not fun. My little nitpick of Shania last episode, there's a little redemption by doing Senna's uh, side quest episode. Not episode, side quest line. It kind of worked for me overall, eroding those nitpicks. Some rapid fire things I liked. Towards this beginning of this play session of mine, we get this reveal that Bad Noah destroyed the city. But it's cool that I already found that out because of the memorial stuff and just poking around the world. That's always fun. Mio didn't want to be an offseer. Interesting. Noah doesn't catch a break either on this one. They couldn't leave his dead blonde mentor alone, so we got more heartache for Noah there. But sending him was touching and moving, so I liked that they brought him back into the fold. The new boost ship is pretty sweet plus it's purple so you can't go wrong there uh, i do love how you ram through origin like a rhinoceros that's one way to do it and i didn't expect it to go that way mobius x was a tough fight so had to use a different type of strategy to take her out which you know is good towards the last end of the game it, but i also thought it was weird that they don't get any death scenes they're just there not sure what that was supposed to mean but oh well in the final battle against Zed, I can't remember who it is, but they say Future Connected, and I thought that was a cool callback to the DLC episode on Xenoblade Chronicles 1 Definitive Edition. And eventually I prevailed through the battle to get to the ending scenes. And we get the payoff. We get, well, <laughs> depends on how you look at this game. To me, you get the payoff. You get the gooshy smooches between Noah and Mio. I love that. But man, is this ending really bittersweet because they're throwing this world away and technically their memories and everything they've done up to this point and we have this great scene of them the world or they're trying to run back to each other because Mio and Noah want to hold hands again or kiss whatever they want to do say goodbye a second time and they're running toward each other but they're never going to get there because the worlds are slowly splitting apart and it's everybody running but they have to move on they see the them drifting away on the horizon. They won't be seeing them again, not in this life and not in this world because they chose this. Was it the right choice? Well, this ending scene kind of makes it seem like it is. We get back to the beginning. It's the new lives. We're kids again. We're growing up in a world without Mobius, keeping everyone alive, willing to die again and again. We did the sacrifice. Now, do we remember that we sacrificed all our memories and stuff to create this new world? That's kind of unclear, because maybe they're gone too. And Noah is walking to go see the fireworks, but he gets distracted by these doves like in the beginning of the game. And he hears the tune of the Offseer. 
and he wanders in a different direction. So maybe he has memories, or maybe he's just intrigued by this tune and wants to see what it is. But it makes you think. Man, it really makes you think. They nailed the ending portion so well in my regard for the character moments and kind of the heartbreak of knowing that they're giving this all away. The heartbreak to get here, the death, all the pain. But, you know, they're thinking that this is the right choice and it probably was. I got the feels, especially those ending scenes. I love the scene where, uh, or the moment that Lance and uh, Senna, like, fist bump. That's great. Uni and Taeyang kind of flirting with each other. It's just, it's all so good. I love this crew. It's going to be very hard to top it, if ever, and that's a big statement coming from me because I love my JRPG party makeups, but it was such a great, consistent cast. But to end this review, we got to do comparisons. So you have the ending scene. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see all those footage. That's great. But we got to do comparisons. Where does Xenoblade Chronicles 3 stand in the trilogy as a whole? So let's go through some fine points and staking my claim. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 has the worst ending boss of all three games. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 has the best cast of core party members by far. There's not a weak link in this makeup of characters. Though all the Xenoblade games have a decent cast that I've grown to love. Definitely some standouts per game though for myself. Xenoblade 3 has a fun world to explore with some fun locations attached to that, but it doesn't live up to Xenoblade Chronicles 2 even all the way up to this point. I have slowly praised it here and there. It's gotten better, but when you f reflect on all of it, it doesn't live up to those jaw-dropping vistas of Xenoblade 2. And I don't think it beats out Xenoblade 1 with its consistency of well-developed areas. I think Xenoblade 3 has the most fluid battle system of the three. Unsure if it's the best, though. I have to kind of think about that a little bit longer. I'm not ready to put that on paper or on via audio, podcast, video, thing. Whatever this is. Music? There honestly can't be a decision made. Just listen to all the OSTs. The music is consistently good in this series, so just pick one and go through it. So those are the main stickler points. The sto uh, Well, story-wise... I think I still prefer Xenoblade 1 the most out of everything. Again, for it just being the most consistent and well-rounded version for story-wise. So is it the best Xenoblade game? That is the question. I think it could be for a lot of people. My heart still goes to Xenoblade Chronicles 1 Definitive Edition. It's the most consistent in my eyes, has some bonker moments, and the most surprises throughout the story. There are moments in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 where I th it can be the best by a long shot, but those are very sporadic throughout the story. And there were some gameplay decisions and style choices that I didn't love, but there are many standout moments that make me love that game, even though I also don't like it. It's a very weird experience for me overall. But for now, and maybe always, my order goes Xenoblade Chronicles 1, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and then Xenoblade Chronicles 2. But the best part is, they accompany each other so freaking well, and honestly, the ending of 2 tying into 1 so freaking good, knowing 3 does something similar in a feeling sort of way by just seeing the queens again, I just love this series. 
Even with my nitpicks, it's an excellent trilogy of games. Could be considered one of the best trilogies out there. That I would have to think more of. Uh, it is worth the grandiose time investment for sure. This is the third Xenoblade game that I've beaten this year. If you count Torno, which I do, and I'm still wanting more. If that's not the sign of a excellent JRPG series, well, I don't know what is. But thank you, Monolith Soft. I want more, and I hope you create more. Whether that is another Xenoblade entry or a new series, because you got me hooked. Whatever quest comes along my way next, I thank you for listening to this one. I thank you for watching and sharing. Until the next time, we do various JRPG tropes like beat things with the power of friendship, have friends become enemies we have to take down, explore wild worlds to kill God. It's been fun. And I hope games like Xenoblade continue to get made and enrapture me enough to do another quest along. Xenoblade 3 is worth your time, but more importantly, Xenoblade as a whole is worth your time. Thank you.